Chapter 6 Hades and the Apostolic Creeds It has been our purpose to show that the traditional idea of Hades, or Sheol in the Hebrew, as a place of punishment and reward at death for departed human spirits, cannot be derived from Scripture. It was in post-New Testament times that the Hades of Scripture was transformed by those professing the Christian religion into a place for departed souls separated from their bodies. The biblical teaching was thus submerged under Greek ideas about the nature of man. An interesting confirmation of this is found in the addition which was made to the original so-called Apostolic Creed. According to Bingham's Antiquities of the Christian Church, Book 10, Chapter 3, we read this, The descent into hell hath not been so anciently in the creed or so universally as the rest. The original form of the creed enumerated in precise order the circumstances of the death and resurrection of the Lord. I quote, He was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. There was no mention at this stage of the descent into Hades. Yet nearly 400 years after the death of Christ, we find the phrase, he descended into Hades in use in the Aquilean Creed, in which, however, the phrase, he was buried, does not appear. I observe, says Bishop Pearson, quote, that in the Aquilean Creed, where this article, the descent into Hades, was first expressed, there was no mention of Christ's burial, but the words of the confession ran like this. Crucified under Pontius Pilate, he descended into Hades, from whence there is no question that though the Roman and Oriental creeds did not have these words, yet they had the sense of them in the word buried. It appears, therefore, that the first mention of putting these words in the creed was only to express the burial of our Saviour, or the descent of his body into the grave. That's a quotation from Pearson on the Creed, cited by H. Constable in Hades or the Intermediate State. Thus the Roman Creed had the expression buried, but omitted, quote, descended into Hades, while the Aquilean Creed contained the phrase descended into Hades, but omitted the word buried. The implication is that at this time the descent into Hades was understood as nothing other than buried in the grave. Yet a new idea had been gaining ground in the church, the platonic idea of the soul as the real man unaffected by death. Once again, the serpent menaced the church with his opposition to the divine word, the lie that, quote, thou shalt not surely die, 
the slogan of innate immortality, was surreptitiously introduced into Christian theology in the guise of a sophisticated philosophy about the nature of man. Plato was supplanting the Bible in Oscar Kalman's celebrated phrase, 1 Corinthians 15 was sacrificed for the work by Plato called Phaedo. And I add this, while men slept, the enemy crept on. Plato's victory. The doctrine of the intermediate state, accommodating the notion of immortal man, was mixed with the biblical doctrine of resurrection. The soul, it was said, went to Hades. That's what the scripture said, Acts 2.31. And yet, the soul could not die. So Hades could not be the grave. The body alone must therefore go to the grave, while the surviving soul goes to Hades, and later in the case of the righteous, to heaven, fully conscious. The creedal statement must be adjusted then to reflect the new faith. So the Roman statement was added to the Aquilean formula about the descent into Hades, and Plato had won the day. A brief sentence from Theophylact sums up the new theology. You will find, he says, quote, that there is some difference between Hades and death, namely that Hades contains the souls, but death the bodies. For the souls are immortal, quotation from Theophylact quoted in Usher's Answers. The effects of the incorporation of Plato into Christ without baptism are seen everywhere in 20th century theology. Our purpose must be to restore the biblical creed, turning our minds from the lie of Platonic survival to the truth of the resurrection of the dead. In so doing, we shall cease to suppress the eschatological scheme with which our New Testament documents are saturated. While the Hades, or Sheol, of Scripture designates the world of the dead, quote, where the wicked cease from troubling and the weary are at rest, Job 3, verse 17, and the dead sleep in the dust of the earth, Daniel 12, verse 2, the dread word Gehenna, or Gehenna of fire, describes the place of future punishment for the wicked, either at the parousia, the second coming, for those alive at that time, or following the millennial period in a resurrection to judgment, Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15. As long as belief in man's natural immortality persists, students of Scripture will presumably be committed to the appalling doctrine of unending torment in consciousness for those found unworthy of the kingdom. It seems certain that the notion of endless torment for all those who do not partake in the first resurrection is dependent on the unbiblical doctrine of the indestructibility of the soul. Dr. William Temple, 
who lived from 1882 to 1944, Archbishop of Canterbury wrote, quote, One thing we can say with confidence, everlasting torment is to be ruled out. If men had not imported the Greek and unbiblical notion of the natural indestructibility of the individual soul, and then read the New Testament with that in their minds, they would have drawn from it a belief, not in everlasting torment, but in annihilation, as from his book Christian Faith and Life. 